This is the Matt Townsend Show. Just bring the honesty and the integrity to the game. Your guide on the side. If we're not wholeheartedly in our relationship, then we probably are always looking for exit strategies. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm Leanna Tan, here to give you some of Matt's best tidbits to help you live healthier, happier lives. Last night, I was doing a little bit of online shopping, you know, just browsing through different websites and trying to get an idea of what to do for Christmas presents this year. I I love giving gifts. It's one of my favorite parts of Christmas, you know, just picking out something for somebody, wrapping it, and then watching them be surprised. But now that I'm married, there are a lot more people to get presents for. And so my husband and I were trying to figure out the best way to go about it this year. Do we budget some money out? Do we get creative and make things? Do we pick a name out of a hat? I think a lot of people go through these questions when the Christmas season comes around. So so today we're going to talk about how to manage your finances during the holidays. We are first going to listen to an interview with Diane Teagarden about some tips for holiday saving. Now, have you ever bought a $200,000 Furby, Diane? That seems like a bad idea. (laughs) I'll tell you what. There are a lot of reasons why you shouldn't use credit cards, but there's one very good reason why you should have good enough credit to have one credit card. What is that one? And that's what I really call an emergency, which I don't think means, you know, doing your nails or getting that $4,000 bag or, you know, whatever, you know, buying buying, uh, things for other people. Uh, For example, uh, when you go to... um, when you, uh, you you might have an accident, and there are always deductibles that you are responsible for. If you don't happen to have that set aside in savings, well, you know, you get in a car accident, your family gets in a car accident, your kid gets in an accident at school. I just had somebody talk to me about uh, their son who played football, had a serious accident, come to find mm. out their health plan was very, very, uh, you know, yeah, small limited, in what yeah. it would help not very helpful. So they suddenly are faced with, he even asked me um, on air, he said, well, should I, should my, my, my wife or I get a job, a second job in order to pay for this extra expense? And there's a lot of, uh, you know, things to be considered. Um, you know, that will raise your basic income, which will raise your taxes. Right. Also, sometimes, you know, if you can't get a really good paying job, just getting any kind of a job could actually put you more in debt because it costs to work. You have to drive there or spend on transportation. Mm. There, there might be clothing that you have to purchase, right. particularly for that type of job. I mean, uh, you know, it's just the attire. impact, right? The impact on your life. Your family, your, yeah. Well, also, I mean, if if, if uh, you already have, with the one job you have, the arrangement for who's taking care of the kids when, you're going to have to extend that. So there's there's child care that it's extended to. Right. It just is very complicated. So it's better to have, um, you know, or like say, again, you know, if, if you just get in a fender bender, well, you know, your deductible on your on your car is, what, five $600, whatever it is. If you don't have that saved, then you have to put it on a credit card. So that is an emergency to get yourself you back, you know, working. You have to keep that, you know, well, at least you, if you live in Southern California, you have to have a car. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and, and as you're sitting here... And you add on top of it, it's during the holiday season, and you add on top right. of it, it's snowing and cold where we are, and you need, you not only need a car, you need a car and to not freeze, and you got to right. get to work. And so right. it kind of adds up. That's why I liked your background, because 
you didn't just kind of happen into this as some financial expert up front. You you had to learn these steps, you know, the hard way. Right. We've owned two businesses, my husband and I. Each were 10 years. The reason why we stopped one is because he saw something that he wanted to do instead, and I was able to, um, because it was installing security alarm systems, we had... a. Um, uh, contracts with all of our, our customers for monitoring. Right. And so that is valuable. That paper that they signed said for five years we're going to pay, you know, $20 a month times 12 times five. Right. And so that's minus the time that they had been with the company. That's what those pieces of paper were valued at. So I went ahead and sold the company and we uh, started the next company, which was a solar installation uh, business, uh, without borrowing a dime from the bank. I don't know a lot of people who've done that. We no. didn't, and, and the first one, we didn't borrow from the bank either because this is going to sound like I'm from outer space, but he and I, we were like work crazy people, and uh, we both had a full-time job. In the meantime, we were building up the security system job, just doing, you know, side jobs and doing, you know, jobs here and there. Right. And I said, and I mean, I just have had a head for figures for a long time. I said, okay, when we get to 70% of our income, I do believe that we can live on 70% of what we're making now. We'll be able to change over to full-time to our new job. So we worked two jobs, a full-time job and then building up our company until we were making enough money that we were able to step aside and not have to borrow from a bank. So, you know, I'm not making this up. I've been there. But that um, takes discipline. Like, in a way, it takes so much (laughs) discipline. I wonder... It's a word. It is. It's kind of like poisonous, isn't it? Well, I was posting something, you know, on Facebook, little blurbs from the book, and this one lady, um, because I did have some suggestions for Christmas, and I said, for example, okay, we're already in the season. People are going to do what they've always done. It's too late to give them advice on that in particular. But, hey, January's just right around the corner. So let's say you've got, you know, to make it easy, um, 12 gifts to buy, you mm-hmm. know, every Christmas, uh, serious gifts to buy. Why not buy a couple each month of the next year? So that by the time you roll around to November, you've got most of them bought. They're all sitting up there in a closet or wherever you hide your, your gifts. And all you have to do is sit there and put on some nice music and get in the mood and then wrap them. I mean, it really detoxes Christmas for a lot of people. And she put some snoid remark about, well, that really takes a lot of discipline and forethought. And I thought, why is this sounding like a bad thing? I don't get that. <laughs> it's funny because that's <laughs> just the word budgeting. So your name of the book is Budgeting on a Dime. Right. I but put just, it right up there at front. <laughs> but just the word budgeting, it, it uh-huh. demands discipline. And, and maybe there's just some people, honestly, that would rather have the stress than the discipline. Well, that's because they think discipline means you're not cool. Right. And believe me, I am very cool. <laughs> Look at you. You've already got <laughs> presents for next year, which is great. I mean, it really uh, is. I think I, I love the word. You use the word toxic. I mean, that's what it does is it when all of a sudden you just don't like anybody you're buying the presents for because you have to buy presents when you don't have money, You're gonna. it's going to be toxic. Well, I think that's part... Um, I was also talking a long time ago to a girlfriend, and I said, well, why not just have a big family gathering? This is one of my biggest tips on how to keep it from busting everybody's budget. Mm-hmm. If you have you know, family in a generally uh, centrally located area where they wouldn't have to travel in for Christmas, why not just get together and like, you know, have somebody who likes to work with the kids, have them put on a little play, yeah. and they can be working with them you know, for the first part of the party and then present it to the adults and the grandparents. I mean, they love 
love that. Mm-hmm. I mean, the grandparents love that kind of thing. And also, and so I was going on telling her about this get-together that everyone's got a signature dish that they make better, you know, than anyone else in the family. Have that, bring that together, uh, you know, bring your sweets that you buy together, I mean, that you make together. And, uh, and the adults, while the children are off playing and stuff like that during the beginning of the day, they can just catch up on things that have happened to them during the year, you know, funny stories, sad stories, whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, you know, and just exchange of information that, I mean, storytelling used to be an art. Right. It used to be something that people would actually get together just to do that. And, and as an, you know, as a, 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 a nice, you know, variation from watching TV or, you know, playing with electronic media, you know, you know, text messaging the person who's sitting next to you at dinner, you might think of just talking to each other and, and sharing that information and make it like a big family party and maybe just have a family, uh, uh, you know, lottery where you pull out, you know, you can do this digitally online, uh, pull out uh, just the number of people in your family. Say you have five people in your family. Mm-hmm. So you pull out of the hat uh, five names of five of the family's children. So everybody only buys as many gifts as are in their family. Yeah, I okay? like that. And that makes it special. Totally. Well, there's nothing worse to me than the old Christmas that we did this, and I have three sisters and me, and we're sitting there, and we're all, we're all just beside ourselves, tired. Christmas Eve, everything's so great, and we do the gift exchange, and everybody just hands gift cards to everybody, and I'm sitting there thinking, look. I've got my gift cards. I should just have kept them. And you've got your gift cards. You could just keep them. But it's this obligation that we have to do this. So I like this idea that you're saying, let's talk. Let's go. Let's go. Let's turn this holiday into something else. I remember one time I brought up, let's do a sub for Santa for another family and spend some of our money on another family. And we could even all spend less, but it would still be great for this family. And People like, oh, but that's not Christmas. I'm thinking, Why not? Oh, Why isn't it giving to those who really need? Well, or here's an idea, and this is kind of, I did this a couple years ago. Um, there's this uh, thing online called mypoints.com. And what you do is you sign up, and everybody, you know, stay with me for a second. You sign up to get emails in your inbox, and it's for different various products, but all you have to do is wait until it completely loads up. It doesn't time you out. You have to spend five minutes or five dollars or five cents on it. As long as you open the email and you let it completely load up, bang, you've got your five points there, ten points for this, ten points for that. They also let you earn points for buying stuff that you would already buy. So you can get 100 points for you know, buying something online That's that you, would, you, would, you need anyway or that you would buy anyway. I saved up the points. And instead of using them for myself, you know, me and me, 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 right. I went ahead and saved them for about three years because I wasn't using them. I was just opening the, the emails and this, that, and the other. That Christmas, three years later, I happened to be kind of short on cash. So I went ahead, and now, again, it takes that nasty thing of foresight. Yes. And so it took them a couple months to get me the card. So in October, I asked my sister, she's got this immense family, I asked my sister, what store does everybody like to shop at individually, not altogether? So she right. got me the names of everyone's favorite place to go buy stuff for themselves. And I went ahead and, and redeemed almost all the points that I had gained in three years for very nice gift cards. But this is different than most gift cards where you're like, oh, great. There's not even this store around where right. I live. You know, I asked them, where do you like to shop? And then bought them gift cards for that. 
and did it in enough time. And these are the adults of the family, okay? So yeah. you don't got to give them cute little frilly little junk that they're never <laughs> going to use anyway. Uh, Mathems is what they call them in, in uh, The Hobbit. It's, you know, useful yeah. stuff that people give you, and you end up with a closet full, and then the next time you get to chance, you give it to somebody else. <laughs> so, I you know, love it. Just, you know, and, and it cost me nothing, nothing. that year. <laughs> but it did take some forethought and some planning. Uh, Diane, we're going to take a break. We'll come back. We're going to keep, uh, you know, trying to get more out of you. It's just squeezing <laughs> all of these ideas out of you. Okay. We're talking to Diane Teagarden, um, who who wrote a book, uh, Budgeting on a Dime, 10 Steps to Financial Independence. She's helping us figure out how to make relationships work and the finances during the holiday season. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back. I'm Leanna Tan. This is The Matt Townsend Show. If you're wondering how you're going to pay for all the holiday festivities, you're not alone. We are listening to an interview with Diane Teagarden all about how to save those pennies this season. In the last segment, she gave us a few tips like buying a few presents each month throughout the year so that it doesn't hit like a sledgehammer once December comes. She also advised to do things like, you know, little programs throughout the year where you can earn points and then cash them in at some point to get different merchandise or gift cards or different things. So you're not really losing anything out of your pocket when it comes to buying gifts for people. But what if there's something really specific you want to get for Christmas for someone and it's only going to be on sale on Black Friday or Cyber Monday or sometime during these holiday sales? How do you budget for that? Well, in this next segment, Diane will give us a few tips from her book, 10 Steps to Budget on a Dime. In your book, Budgeting on a Dime, you have 10 different steps. What are some of those steps we should be paying attention to? Well, the first one is in order to, to live within your means, which is the first, the first uh, goal of the book. Then after you can learn to live within your means, what you actually have, then when you get additional income, you have what I call affordable luxuries. So rather than spending every single dime you get, you have to know how much money you spend and on what. And that's really where the key, where it all starts. It's sort of like a house. You've got to start with the foundation. And what that foundation is, is setting up uh, your budget and finding out that is not saying um, how much there's a couple things a budget does. You have to know where exactly you're spending money and in what areas so that you know where you can slice a little right. here, slice a little there, change something up here, and then you can uh, get to live within your means. And once you're comfortable with that, again, you get a raise, somebody else gets a raise, or one of your you know bills go away. I mean, you know, people do pay off houses, cars, whatever. Right. Once that bill goes away, instead of 
jumping your expenses right back up to that additional income. Use that to save. Use that to put away for emergencies. Use that so that you can invest in your future. I mean, you were talking about earlier on the show, um, you know, uh, kids going to college. I read that this one family, they had six kids, and not one of them did they give a penny to, but Hmm. they all put themselves through college. How? Because the first year of high school, the kids started learning how to dig through grants and scholarships and find their own money. So that in four years, yeah, okay. There's a lot of money there. There's a lot of money there, but it takes it's uh, it takes a long time to dig through it. So what you do is you start them, and first of all, first they're thinking about it, and then they're doing something about it. They're empowering themselves for their future, and most people who are paying their way through college don't change, uh, you know, majors 700 times just so that they can extend their fun college days. Right. Because, hey, this is coming out of their hide now, and they're going to actually get to it and get busy and get through it. So that's the difference between people who are given something and people who earn it. You value it, and you also are much more serious about it, and, you know, it's something that, um, you know, you are proud of when you're when you're done i do have a couple extra tips for people for the uh christmas one is now get this i bet you everybody in the studio will agree everyone loves to sing christmas carols nobody knows the words of the, the songs <laughs> right so true yeah <laughs> except for a couple of them you know jingle bells yeah the ones that were in the choir ones. But um, if, they, if you, we did this one, one uh, year in our family, and it was so much fun, and none of us can sing, so we're just like laughing and falling <laughs> all over each other in like 10 minutes. But copy the lyrics to Christmas carols, and, and then, you know, make it enough uh, pages for everybody, you know, in the family or that wants to, and have a big old sing-along. It's so fun. That is fun, and we do that every year. And what's great about it is it's very inexpensive, if not free. Yeah. And it's it kind of it unites you. It brings you closer together. It really there are a lot of things you can do uh, in an inexpensive way for the holidays. And, and I think maybe what this really gets to, like you were saying earlier, you have to know where you are and what you're spending um, in order to start making adjustments. It really this isn't brain surgery, is it, Diane? This is just no. And there's enough out there. There's enough resources. There's what website, by the way, could they go to with you to to get more tools or ideas? Well, my website is www.firewalkerpublications with an s publications dot com, and that has uh, all my books. Um, it also has um, a short PDF uh, version of budgeting on a dime and there's also links to you know where you can go to get the books i purposefully made this book inexpensive so that it wouldn't be an additional burden but um you know some of the things that you have to do once you i start you off with an asset evaluation because i want people to first feel empowered they think well i don't have anything well you'd be surprised at how much you do have and what you have and what it's worth so you start with the basis of positivity, and then you look into your monthly expenses. Now, did I say you have to sit down there and do that in one day or one hour or, you know, a marathon session? No. Take it, you know, once every couple of weekends until you've knocked out that list and you've because you have to dig through your bills and find out, you know, uh, monthly how much you're doing. Bank statements are very helpful because you can sit there and add up all your grocery bills because there's, you know, some of them even let you allocate different expenses to a particular um you know, uh, area, right. uh, you know, or, or you can just, you know, sit there and tick it off and say, okay, well, here, I went to, you know, my grocery store uh, five times, 
you know, during the month, and mm-hmm. I spent approximately $150 or whatever it is, and then you've got a basis on how much you spend. And the, what's great about the book is, and Chapter 3 is called Reducing Expenses. I give you tons of tips on every single type of expense. And I would never tell a person, because I'm not making these decisions. You're making this decision to empower yourself and to help yourself and your family. But I give you ideas that may not have occurred to you. Like people would say, well, I can't just uh, stop paying car insurance. Did I say that? I would never <laughs> say that. You know? right. But you can shop around. Again, it takes a little bit of, of uh, you know, writing down all the things that you need for insurance and the uh, you know limitations on liability for various things and then you go and shop at some at several different websites and actually dig in and find out what insurance can you get that will give you the same value for a little less money and maybe that'll shave $50 per month what is that that might be nothing but if you do that to 10 areas that's five hundred dollars, right. and then you're paying down a bill, and then you can once that bill's paid off, pay off the next one, and and work it that way. Uh, we're going to take a break again here with Diane Teagarden and come back, Diane. We'll come back, have a, about ten minutes or so to to wrap up with you the best ideas, the tools. We'd love to hear some more steps uh, from your book, Budgeting on a Dime: Ten Steps to Financial Independence which, again, you can get at firewalkerpublications.com. We'll be back working on our finances for the holiday season right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Sticking with us, I'm Leanna Tan, and this is The Matt Townsend Show. We are learning how to budget on a dime from Diane Teagarden. She's teaching us a few hacks to learn to budget and save some money this holiday season. One point she made in this last segment was that budgeting comes down to knowing where you are spending your money. Taking a step back and seeing what you are actually prioritizing financially and deciding if you need to adjust those priorities. Are you spending more money on traveling to work every day than you are actually getting money out of your job? Maybe it's time to look for a different job then or cheaper transit or maybe even a different living situation. Is your bill for your cosmetics and your beauty supplies higher than your utility bill? Maybe it's time to reevaluate what matters most for you. One idea she mentioned for holiday saving that my dad always taught me growing up is to give activities and services rather than things as gifts. And this is not only a great way to save money, but it's also a great way to build and strengthen relationships. Maybe instead of buying your mom a new iPad, you can treat your family to, you know, matinee movie tickets or host a movie night at your own house for everyone and you provide the popcorn and candy. You know, some of my favorite gifts have been those movie tickets for my uncle for my whole family to go to the theater together or just having my whole family join me in a service project that I wanted to do. So let's listen to this last bit of the interview and hear a few more tips Diane has for helping us stay ahead this holiday season. Diane, what are a few more of your tips that we can use uh, near this holiday season to make sure we uh, stay ahead of the game? 
Well, here's a really great one. I think that um, writing cards has fallen by the wayside, and it does take a lot of time as far as sitting down and keeping up with people's address and whatnot. But there are electronic cards that you can send for free. So there's no stamps, no running to the post office. You don't have to buy the cards. And just a few of those um, car- free card, e-card websites is jibjab.com, which yes. is hysterical. Those are funny. My family love those. Yeah. And if you haven't, if you don't know what Jib Jab is, you, there are these little animated, uh, fun, almost cartoons that they have already p- prepared. And what you do is you just put pictures of you and your family as the faces of people in the cartoons. And my, I mean, my family just falls all over the place yeah. when I send those. Plus, so. they think you're funny. <laughs> all of a sudden, you get credit for having a sense of humor. Yeah, you know, they think, wow, you're very clever. And I'm like, yeah, I could press a button. I spent hours I, I, on I it. I am, darn it. <laughs> and uh, well, here's a couple more uh, big ones. MyFunCards.com, which are also uh, very nice ones. And if you be- believe it or not, AmericanGreetings.com. So they're the traditional, uh, nice, you know, there are religious cards. There are, you know, Santa Claus-type cards. Um, there's also one more that I want to mention, punchbowl.com. And by the way, none of these people are giving me money for, you know, endorsing them. I'm right. not endorsing them. I'm just giving out the information because these are free cards. Once you've built your initial uh, email list within it, you just pick and choose what card you want. Um, you can send them, you know, send one to everybody you know or send them individually. And that uh, will free up. It's a lot of time, a lot of uh, effort. And, you know, trying to figure out what to say on each one of these cards and write them out. It's, it's kind of laborious. So um, a, a good tip here, okay, save about $10 cash to spend after Christmas for seriously marked down uh, wrapping paper, gift cards, and Christmas cards if you still uh, want to buy uh, you know, paper cards, because the same roll of, of paper, I mean, you'll just gag when you look at the prices. The same roll of paper that will cost you like $5 before Christmas will be like $1. Why? Because nowadays stores do not have a big back room where they store stuff and they can sell it to you next year. Right. Everything is brand new coming into the back just of that in warehouse. Time, right. They've got to clear that stuff out. They're going to get new stuff for next year. So you can go the day after Christmas. On the 26th, you can go and you can say, pay $10 for this stuff. And the next whether it's decorations for the trees, um, you know, setting stuff for your table, um, and it, but especially, you know, uh, Christmas wrapping paper, which, since I'm a big environmentalist, how about switching over to from wrapping paper to um, the great gift bags. There are beautiful gift bags. You don't have to sit there. And I mean, some people look like they have rolled this thing up and down a hill. <laughs> yeah. Where'd that gift? That's why it's better to not give gifts. You just can <laughs> smile and say, hey, I just wanted to save some wrapping. Uh, well, you could, you could pop them into these lovely gift bags and um, and then the people that you're giving them to have all those lovely gift bags for next year. And all the gift bags that you get gifts in, save them for the next year. You can always use them again over and over again. Yeah. And um, uh, this is for something, because this happened, you know, as your parents get older, you realize, darn, they either have everything they want or buy themselves whatever they want. Right. So around Christmas time, they're like, oh, I don't know what you can get me. Okay, everyone has a favorite charity. Okay, everyone, it's, it could be, you know, homeless. It could be uh, St. Jude's Hospital for Children. It could be, um, you know, the Vietnam vets or, or veterans. Everyone has a special, uh, you know, charity that they like to give to. You can make a small donation. And what the charity does, because I've done this for several people who, you know, they say, 
say, I can't think of anything I need. I've got everything, or I don't have room for anything right. else in my house. Um, they, they send them a nice Christmas card with your name on it, uh, you know, just saying they, they, that they, you have donated a gift in their name for that charity, but they don't say how much, so you don't have to be embarrassed if you're broke. You can still give them something and make them feel like they did something good for other people. And believe it or not, for people that have everything, that's kind of nice. I think you're right. I mean, and really, it's we may be losing the spirit of it anyway, right? We're supposed to be—it's about giving, not just receiving, and so— Maybe maybe us being a little more disciplined, if we were more disciplined, we might be helping others actually feel better about the season. Sure. And and get back to the feeling of, you know, um, it's about good food, family. Um, for some people, uh, it's more on the Santa Claus end. For other people, it's more on the spiritual end. I'm not, you know, advocating anything in particular. But I do have a number one rule of Christmas finance. And yes. every, almost everybody who gets messed up with their credit cards, if you're still paying off last year's credit card debt from Christmas spending, when you begin this Christmas holiday then you're spending too much. That you is a great rule. That is a great rule. So if, if you're still paying for it, then we got we to gotta stop it this year. Right. You've got to figure out some other way to do it, which, again, um, there are these wonderful, um, it's called the Entertainment Book, and it's got all these tons and tons of coupons for um, movies, clothing, shopping, um, you know, fast food places, and they have them for sections for all over the country. You can go online, look up, you know, Google the Entertainment Book, and you can get one, especially a couple of months into the new year. Some of the coupons have expired, so it's more than half half off. So you can get it for about $15 and uh, you can tear out coupons and just send them a bunch of coupons where they can uh, save for next, you know, for the just regular, um, you know, spending during the year. So that's something that's kind of fun. And or you can just buy the whole book for the whole family and and people being able to choose what they want to buy. It's kind of neat. I think I think it is, too. And it and again, it's I guess it's more about giving your heart being being with the people you're with and but but two I guess we can also get ahead and if we can't do it at this Christmas time let's at least plan you're saying in January to take over our financial life again they can go find out more about your uh, book the name of your book is called budgeting on a dime 10 steps to financial independence and they can find that at firewalkerpublications.com and you know what? It's also available in paperback and ebook on Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com. There you have it. Go. Awesome. Diane Teagarden, appreciate you. Have a Merry Christmas. And, Thank uh, you. And I hope everyone out there is listening. Thank you so much, Matt. You nice bet. being on the show. You too. Thank you, Diane, for all your insight. And we're back with the rest of today's Matt Townsend episode. We just learned some great holiday hacks from Diane Teagarden. She said to buy your holiday decor and merchandise right after the holidays when everything goes on clearance and just save it for the next year. My mom always did this growing up and she found some amazing steals. You know, the day after Thanksgiving or Christmas or whatever holiday it is, there are bins and bins full of discounted items that are perfectly fine, but they just have to get rid of them so that the stores can pull in new merchandise. 
And another thing that she suggested was using gift bags instead of gift wrap so that you can reuse them. It's wallet and eco-friendly. And that reminded me of one thing that one of my friends does, and she uses newspapers to wrap gifts instead of wrapping paper. And it actually looks really trendy. Sometimes she uses the comic strips so that it's kind of a fun game. You can read the comics while the gift is still under the tree. And I know a lot of people who use newspaper and then use some sort of twine or rope as the ribbon to give it a really antique and vintage look. And I think it looks straight out of a catalog. Okay, so we have learned a lot about saving and finances specifically for the holiday today, but Christmas isn't the only time that we have to practice financial hygiene. So to prepare us for the future leading into this new year, I wanted to listen to part of an interview with Helene Olin about some general personal finance advice. Rule number four, um, uh, Helene, is the um, is the principle about what stocks to buy, what stocks not to buy. Talk to us about that. Well, basically, you shouldn't be buying individual stocks at all. Um, we talk about this. We talk about this quite extensively in the book. Um, but very short is again, you, you're not going to have the ability to outguess the market. That you know, we all have this idea in our head: we're going to pick the next Google or we're going to pick the next Facebook. Um, frankly, most of us pick the next AOL or the next. Um, store that goes belly up. Um, We're not really good at this. Um, We're simply not. Um, And by the way, let me make this really clear. When I say we, I mean everybody. Mm -hmm. I mean us individually, um, your uncle or aunt who reads the Wall Street Journal every day. I mean the financial advisor at the local brokerage house. I mean the people running multi-million dollar or billion dollar mutual funds and investment groups. Um, It's human. We just can't do it. Again, the surveys show this time and time again. We're just not going to pull this off. Um, Very few mutual funds or um, even hedge funds ultimately beat their benchmarks. Um, It's simply astonishing that more people don't realize this. And yet we all try. We all try because we're sold on the idea of trying. Right. Um, and in fact, all you need to do, really should do is find a couple of index funds that are properly diversified, and we talk about how to do that in the book. And um, basically put your money in, set it on automatic, and get on with your life. You'll enjoy it a lot more. Because the, the index fund would then have a more balanced portfolio. Well, it's... It would be a couple of different index funds, right? Yeah, right. You know, one with bonds, one with the overall stock market. Um, um, but you then know, you're saying, but then get on with it. Go live. Get on with it, right? I mean, you know, move on with your life. Um, you're not going to pull this. You're not going to outsmart this. So there's no reason why you should be trying. There's no reason you should be spending your time obsessing about this. So if I'm maxing out my 401k, they're already investing investing in index funds, aren't they? Well, not necessarily. Okay. Um, you have to go in there and select. Right. Um, and one thing is, and that's really important, because usually what happens is if your 401k is automatic, you'll be simply put in a target date fund based on your age. That's a fund that is designed to replicate a smooth, gl- you know, glide mix of stocks and mm-hmm. bonds towards retirement, right? Um, there's one, there's two things with these. Um, first, um, every target date fund has a different formula. Um, again, there's no magic formula to this, right? It often involves stock picking. That means it runs up your trading costs. 
and it eats into the investment principle. Mm. Um, and the, these costs come out year in and year out, no matter how much the stock market gains. And the, the amount you lose to this is simply astonishing. You know, you hear the a person hears the difference between, you know, seven tenths of a percent and two tenths of a percent, and they think, oh, who cares? Yeah, whatever. I'm trying, right? In fact, these differences like have the ability to eat up about a third of your overall gains over the cost of your life. I mean, it, it's a lifetime of investing. It, it's really a mind-boggling number when you look at it. This is why I think we feel like we need an expert, though. Right, and you don't. Yeah, right. All you need to do is read the index card, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and you'll find this out. You don't need an expert. That's not to say, by the way, financial advice is all bad. Um, I should point out. It's good to keep you on a steady path. It's good to, you know, keep you investing when you're scared. But this is another key point of the index card. You need to make sure you see somebody who has a duty to act in your best interest. Um, that's something called the fiduciary standard. Yeah, explain this that. Is really, yeah, this is hugely important. Um, most people think when they seek financial advice from anybody, they're like it's like going to a doctor. They have a duty to act in your best interest. You know, they have a financial Hippocrat- Hippocratic oath, right? And this is simply not true. Um, in fact, the vast majority have no such interest. Um, and the only way you're going to know this, because they can still charge you for the advice, is, is if you flat out ask if they have a legal duty to act in your best interest. Hmm. Um, and in fact, many people suggest putting it in an email or getting them to sign something so that somebody can't just pull a fast one and say something like, when would I never act in your best interest? Right. Which of you might course. notice doesn't answer the question. Yeah. Um, and this way you also have it in writing. Interesting. And I mean, here's, let me give you a scenario, Helene. I just had the funeral of my mother-in-law and we have a very trusted, actually almost beloved financial advisor who was there at the funeral and we all know him and love him and his entire staff was there. Um, he was almost more of a family friend, even though he's never really been a family friend. He is the financial advisor. And yet, I, you know, you can ask him anything. And he does have this fiduciary standard. And right. it, it changes the game because, uh, I mean, I have people in my own life that sell insurance and I hear them coming around every quarter or whatever. And they almost look for another handout. And I so I. I sat there and it didn't dawn on me till I saw this other man and I thought that's the difference of what – that's the kind of advisor you want in your life. Somebody that doesn't make it transactionally but right. that's, that's in the long haul with you. Right. I mean the thing is that people do need to get used to um, because the, many advisors make it out like this is at no cost to you, right? Right. But that's not true. You know, somebody's paying the bill and if it's not you – You've got to wonder what's going on. Now, in fact, one of two things are going on. Either the, the financial company selling, marketing the product is paying the bill, which means advice is going to be weighted in their interest, right? Right. Or second, the money's coming out and you don't even know it. And that happens too. Um, there's no free lunch out there. I mean, there's a reason this cliche became um, a cliche. And it's really important to keep an eye on these things. Oh, there's no free lunch. Darn it. Um, yeah, but again, as the human nature in us, we, we try to keep looking for the free lunch, the big right. deal, the, the big hit. And you're, it sounds more like you're saying, just chip away at it. Just right. keep chipping. I mean, when, I, when I wrote Pound Foolish, I interviewed um, one of the big marketing people. 
And he told me, uh, he said, everybody wants a free lunch. He said, I stayed at this big hotel, um, you know, on the, on the luxury floor, you know, the penthouse, you know, special, you know, the VIP floor. And it was all CEOs, and they put out a free breakfast, and it was a mob scene. <laughs> he said, everybody wants a freebie, you know. And right. that's, by the way, so another bit of advice. You get something in the mail that says, come to, uh, you know, come hear a financial presentation at your local favorite restaurant. Yeah. Skip it. Don't do it, okay? You're going to be go sold there. something. You're going to be sold something, and chances are 99.9% this is something that's not in your best interest. Huh. That's great. That's great advice. Uh, you just made a lot of people mad, but that's great advice. Um, the, the rule number eight that you talk about, insurance. Make sure you're protected. What insurance do we need? What's too much? Okay. First and most important, um, you need health care. You need um, housing insurance. You need auto insurance. What's too much is with um, you know auto and ho- housing, you don't need a $500 deductible, right? This is not something you're using every day. Um, you know, at minimum, you know, it, with 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 an auto, you know, a thousand dollars. With a house, it really depends on your budget and the value of your house. I mean, I that that can be my number would be so high because I'm based in New York. You guys would laugh, right? If you heard it. So, yeah. um, you know, we pay what you pay for a four bedroom house for a closet. I know um, it's so sad, <laughs> um, but the point is, is that's insurance you don't use, but you need it. You know. Things do happen, and that's really – it's important to be protected. And I know health insurance is, you know, ridiculously expensive. I think we can all agree on that. Um, but if somebody gets ill, you could be out a lot of money right. really, really fast. I mean, there is no way to sign up for insurance on the spot if you're in a car accident, say. There just isn't. Um, even with Obamacare, right? Even so with Obamacare, everybody okay. get that in your head. Yeah, don't get, don't have that idea, right? You get hit, you're crossing the street, and something happens. No, it doesn't work that way. You'll be out twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars before you, you know, you even wake up. Basically. Oh yeah. Is so, is um what what amount of life insurance should I carry? Is that based on my income? What is that based on? It's based on both um, income and what your responsibilities are. If you're 60 years old and your children are grown up and you're not going to be working in five years, you might not need much at all, right? Right, right. And we tell people term, not anything that's an investment scheme. Again, too many, um, too many fees coming out. We go into that much more in the book. Mm. And um, and then so in the book too, you'll be able to help us define maybe how much is enough. Right. Okay. And, you know, the other thing we talk about is um, the other insurance that people often don't like to hear about. Right. And that's the government. Yeah. Um, and we're all reliant on that. So, you know, our last rule is that you should support the social welfare system, the, the social safety net. You know, there's this thing where most of us think, oh, I never take money from the government. What is this? Well, in fact, when surveyors go out there and ask, actually 95% of us at some point in our lives take money. Right. Um, and it's everything from Social Security to Medicare to unemployment insurance to mortgage deductions. This is all, you know, government um, scaffolding around your life. Um, and we want people to be aware of that. Your financial life as you know it is actually not possible without that scaffolding. 
because there is simply no way for you to save up enough money to replace Social Security or the vast majority of us. Right. And the same for Medicare. Um, and it's really funny because we all have this way of thinking somehow these aren't government programs, right? It's the infamous sign from a few years ago. Get, my, get the government's hands off my Medicare. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. Like, who on, where on earth did they think it was coming from? <laughs> well, and um, a lot of people are worried, Helene, that it's not going to be around for them. Okay, I, okay this right. is something I talk about a lot. Um, it's not much in the, in the index card, but that's actually simply not true. Yeah. This is one of the greatest myths out there. Social Security, very, very short Social Security, is not going bankrupt. At current rates, it will only be able to replace 75% of income in the 2030s. But the increases that would be needed to, um, to make it whole are, for the vast majority of us, ridiculously small, talking like you know, less than $100 a year if it was done immediately. And the other thing that would be huge that most people do not realize is um, Social Security stops taxing, taking you know, money out of your income for it at 118500 That's called the payroll tax cap. Um, if they simply eliminated the payroll tax cap, about 85% of the deficit would vanish tomorrow. Wow. Um, people simply have no idea. And the reason they have no idea is because the interests that don't want that money taxed have a lot more voice in Washington and in the public discourse than in people earning fifty, sixty thousand dollars no, exactly. a year. Right. Um, and when people hear this, they are simply astonished. Um, did you know that? No, no, I'd never heard that. Well, I mean, in a way, think about because those people that are making above one hundred and eighteen thousand are still going to draw on their social security. I mean, right. many of them, unless laws are changed. So. And there's no reason for laws to. Be that's right. Why not just allow it? Too. Yeah, allow it to just keep charging above one hundred and eighteen thousand. And it, yeah, and it would totally make sense. And I, it's simply astonishing to me that people do not realize this. Well, I mean, um, and, I guess that's it because if you start all that money, that they want those taxes. That's the Wall Street effect, isn't it? That's why that's everyone's Wall talking about Wall Street. Right. And um, it, it's simply astonishing. It is simply astonishing that more people do not know this. Um, hmm. And I, I tend to not reflexively blame media um, as being a part of media. I'm a columnist at Slate, as you right. probably know. But in this case, I really blame the media for this. This should be, whenever there's a conversation about Social Security, this should be the first thing set. Yeah. And, um, and it never even comes up. I mean, it really is. It's, it's interesting. You bring it up as like your ninth point. It's, but it's, it is part of our financial planning, and it needs to be f- part of our – it's also part of our giving, right? I mean, you're it, – it's, it's huge. I mean, the majority of elderly people right now, and we're talking about people who we all think of as prosperous, Right. Right. would be living in very straightened circumstances without Social Security. Um, it, it, they literally would. Um, and ditto Medicare. People really need to have this banged over their head. Um, and I think it's very easy to forget because most of us don't get a Social Security check where most of us are not over right. 65, right? Yeah. Well, and if people could trust government to manage it and protect it, they I mean, have so far. And, you know, they've protected it a heck of a lot better than our investments on Wall Street have been protected. Think of it that no, way. That's totally true, huh? <laughs> Darn Wall Street again. Back to the Wall Street. Well, we appreciate you, um, Helene. That's, I think it's an, a very uh, – I think it's a well-thought-out book. The Index Card's the name of the book, Why Personal Finance Doesn't Have to Be Complicated. You can find it at all the bookstores. And Helene Olin, thank you so much for your time. Oh, thank you for having me on. You bet.
that was a little bit heavier financial advice than just, you know, how to manage your Christmas shopping. But I think those were some great points Helene made that we all need to keep in mind as we try to stay ahead of the economy. I like how she said we shouldn't just take financial advice from anyone. If you're looking into a financial advisor, make sure it's someone you trust and who has your best interest in mind. And I think that goes for not just a professional advisor, but your friends and your family too. Be aware of what others' priorities are before you just start copying their financial habits, or they could be leading you down a long, dark tunnel to bankruptcy. And I hope that we can be that trusted friend for you here on The Matt Townsend Show to help you live healthier, more financially savvy lives. I hope you're able to save some of those pennies this holiday season and the rest of the year and really enjoy those priceless moments. Well, thanks for listening to today's episode, everyone. I'm Leanna Tan, bringing you the best tidbits to help you live healthier, happier lives. Join me again next time for another episode of Matt Townsend.